0: We have another special guest for you here on the Riabu podcast today. Peter Chipman, longtime industry, energy industry uh, executive, is going to share with you over the next uh, couple of podcasts what the MNC side of the story is. Because Simon Littlewood, you know, the fact is that most of the time when you are on the supplier side, you know, as you know from Riabu, we always look for you to follow a certain process, say the right things to the customer at the right time, do the right things at the right time but what's the view from the other side? And that's why Peter Chipman is with us to give us his take from the procurement perspective of what it's like to deal with little pesky suppliers like me and why they always put these uh, different processes and procedures in place. Peter Chipman, welcome and thank you for joining us from Vancouver.
1: Thank you very much.
0: So tell us a bit about yourself first and your experience and your side of the story.
1: Well, I've, I spent 28 years in the oil and gas industry with um, a bit over 10 of that in the Asia Pacific region. Um, The last five years um, have been in the supply chain organization. And my job was the global negotiator for all of our supply, all of our business units around the world. So I worked everything, from drilling rigs to maintenance services, you name it. Buying ships, selling ships, everything under the sun. The commonality in all of those is I was working with suppliers. And the, the processes that I went through as I worked with suppliers didn't matter if it was a, a logistics supplier or a maintenance service supplier was fundamentally the same thing.
0: So it was all your fault. So that's why we're hearing that if you're a supplier to one of these companies, Peter Chipman was the one at the top of the tree. Uh,
1: not, I, I can't
2: take credit for all the problems, okay? We'll put your email at the bottom of the uh, podcast.
0: Yes, we'll, we'll put your email. <laughs> but Peter, we're, we're greatly appreciative of having somebody of your stature and your experience to share with us the MNC side of the story. Because, you know, when you are one of the tens of thousands of SMEs It's millions of SMEs all around the world. Sometimes those monolithic MNCs where often you have a general line rather than the number to a direct person to contact does seem impenetrable and not to mention uh, intimidating then to not be able to make any headway on an invoice that's long overdue. You're getting the runaround and you're thinking, oh, all these MNCs are all the same. Are they all the same?
1: My experience with MNCs is they are not they they do not spend their time conniving how they're going to be putting their suppliers out of business. And to the contrary, in general, they appreciate they need their suppliers. Um, there is no MNC that can function if they have no suppliers. That said, they are also under financial pressures. Um, they have shareholders. They have managers. They had have have head offices that are pushing them to make their budget come in under budget. And if when you're in a situation like we've had over the in 2020, where suddenly um, the market collapsed, um, they're under even more extreme pressure. And you know, as they say, it all rolls rolls downhill. So you know the the customer, the buyer is feeling it and what do they have to do? They have to turn and put a squeeze onto many of their suppliers.
0: But the suppliers can't really afford it as much as the MNCs can. They can't, for example, also get financing at rates as cheaply as the MNCs.
1: Yeah, that's fair. And, um, you know, as an MNC, and I think it really depends on the MNCs, some of them take a much more um, ruthless approach. And others, Um, and I saw that especially in this last downturn in oil and gas, where um, we didn't go after our suppliers as hard, whereas in in the oil downturn in 2014, 2015, we were going out and expecting 20, 25% reductions from a lot of suppliers. This time, nowhere near that. Um, If we got 10%, we normally called it good and moved on. So it's, you know, I think you have to appreciate the MNCs. They do have a lot of resources. They have a lot of analytical capability. They, many of them, not all of them, understand the margin pressure that suppliers are under. But at the same time, you can look at a lot of MNCs. They didn't make any money in the last few quarters. Some did. Some did very well, but many of them did not. And if I look in my um, my sector, most of the international oil companies we didn't make any money the last two two or three quarters.
0: And the way the oil price is looking, perhaps uh, they, that pressure might uh, continue to remain. Yeah. Um, but when you say that the MNCs aren't out to you know find ways to send you bankrupt, uh, sometimes you wonder. It often if, looks like that. Doesn't it doesn't. It? it does look like it
1: does well is it i I would think that many of the times what you're having are these um, often very process driven organizations who have a bevy of processes that, as a small enterprise or medium sized enterprise, it just seems impossible to get through this maze. however, I would stress once you once you get it through that maze, it becomes a competitive advantage because you know how to get paid. Um, you know, they're not, my experience is is MNCs, they're not, they're not sitting around, you know, there's not some guy in a corner office saying, don't go pay that guy, or slow pay this person. That's not happening. Because with most of the smaller contracts, you have to keep in mind that with a an IOC, an international oil company or, or large MNC, you can kind of go by the 80 20 rule. And it's probably even more like 90 10, where 10% of their vendors or 20, 10 to 20% of their vendors will represent 80 to 90% of their spend. Um, and that 80 20 normally holds up and companies that have really worked to streamline their procurement are probably more closer to 9010. And so what you have is a very large tail of two, from the pro- perspective of the MNC, small suppliers. And those small suppliers are not going to be taking up management time getting paid. They need to just slot into the process and let the procurement system do its job.
0: Often, though, I found. Uh, sorry, Simon, you wanted to jump. Become... Well, in
2: order to do that, they have to know how the procurement system works. I mean, that's really the issue, isn't
1: it? Yeah, and and so big part, you know, where where I've seen problems from some of our suppliers and suppliers I've heard complaining, um, I think one of the the shortcomings is I'm not always sure they've clearly read and understand the contract. For example, there'll be an exhibit that says this is what the invoice is supposed to look like. Are they following that exhibit um are they using the electronic procurement system have you know do they have their login do they have their password do they know how it works do they know the timing you know you, there's different cutoffs to get things in do you all of this i fully
2: understand and indeed you know agree when we're helping companies to get paid on time we say precisely this we say before you even provide any good or service, you know, to your customer, you need to understand how their payment process works and not just what you need to do to get paid from setting up whatever it is uh, in, in, in their payment system um, and ensuring that you've got all the data that they need and so on and so forth, but also to knowing who in their system is responsible for what. So if there's an issue, you can actually follow it up. But, mm-hmm. You know, I, I, is there not, I'm just playing devil's advocate for a minute. Is there not an element of, oh, well, you didn't ask, so we didn't tell you? I mean, that's 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 what it feels like. I'm sorry to give you a hard time, Peter, but you have yeah, not- all the MNCs in the world on <laughs> this on this call, unfortunately. Yeah. So so it's kind of like you didn't ask, so he didn't tell you. Oh, you don't know that you've got to provide at like, X form XYZ, right? But Mark, mm-hmm. don't you think it's something feel like that sometimes? Oh, very much so. Yeah. Let's Peter
1: to get a word in. <laughs> so so I think one of the things to keep in mind is that you know Mark and Simon, you guys are are fairly senior. you've been around, um, and you know the person who's running a, a small or medium sized enterprise, those people are fairly high up I, will, I would would bet the people that are handling most of the processing of those invoices. Are basically junior clerks and and so there there's a a real mismatch you know they're sitting there kind of you know they're working away they're, they're account payable clerk you know we used to twenty years ago we called them a accounts payable clerk and now they're procurement professionals, which is you know it it's a really important job, but you have to keep in mind that these are you know People that are in many cases a few years out of out of school, and they're working through a process, whereas as opposed to you know a a senior management at a a small company um, who may not just be willing to get into the minutia.
2: I think because, that's really
1: interesting. Because one of the things to keep in mind is that how these people are measured is how do they perform? Are they are they doing things on time? How many invoices are they processing? You know, when we think about our shared service centers, you know, you count how many invoices get processed and you divide that by the spend and you say, ah, see, we're, it's, we're spending, you know, $17 an invoice or something like that.
2: And you aim to process more so that you're spending less per invoice.
1: Right. So, you know, it, that, so I guess my point that I'm trying to get across is it's, um, you know, maybe you're feeling as a small or medium-sized enterprise that you're getting sort of, you're getting forced into this meat grinder, but it's really just these people are following a process. And understanding that process, I
0: think, is the key. Yes. And that's, uh, as Simon was saying, that's, again, what Riyabu is all about. Understanding the process, making sure that you follow it. But sometimes the process is, you know, it seems to have a few kinks in it. Um, mm-hmm. Let me give you two examples. Okay. One is um, very large, um, very large international MNC uh, household name, and mm-hmm. they, you know, when you when you first supply it to them, they, uh, of course, with Riabo, we know what the process to follow, and we check on, you know, do we are we onboarded? Have we completed all the onboarding forms? Have we, as you already pointed out, Peter, cited what that pro forma, that template invoice should look like? Have we got ourselves a purchase order? And all of those questions mm-hmm. and job delivered go into the same procurement portal where we downloaded the purchase order from only to find that there is no enablement to upload an invoice. So of course, back on the phone to the customer and to, to say, well, you know, we followed all the process. We're onboarded. We have the purchase order. We've, we've talked to you about uh, delivery and, and uh, payment terms and payment times and so on. Uh, and then the answer came back, oh, well, for that, you have to log into a different procurement portal. Mm-hmm. And, and so you can't help but feel that somebody is really trying to game the system. That's my first example. The second example is where there are some companies, again, large household names, UK multinational. Um, when you walk into a meeting with, the, with the, the business owners, shall we say, in other words, the people who actually want to do the contracting with mm-hmm. you, not the procurement, right. person, but the right. person who's requiring of your service. And you, you kind of all sit around and you discuss, you know, what the requirements are. And then then towards the end of the meeting, they say to you, so do you need anything else? And of course, I say, well, of course, we need a purchase order. And then they all looked at each other as if to say, oh, damn, we've been caught out. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and the same, the same company has so many subsidiaries, local, private, limited companies, mm-hmm. which seem to be in existence for purely nothing else other than to be able to say, oh, sorry, you didn't get your invoice paid on time, but you invoiced the wrong subsidiary. You should have been with subsidiary number 437. So once again, you know, you really sometimes Mm -hmm. get the feeling that they are not keen to pay your invoice.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the the particular company you're talking about, I'm not sure exactly what their their motives behind having what appears to be a fairly complicated, you know, having two different systems seems wildly inefficient, but you know, once again, I guess what I would push back on you a bit is to say, once you figure it out, you're going to have a competitive advantage. Yes. It's a problem to figure it out, but it's, it's very much the same thing we've been talking about is no, it's not. It's, it's suboptimal that you have to jump through all these hoops to get paid and e- just to even submit an invoice. But once you figure that out, then hopefully the second time it works more smoothly. So yes, I I know that's happening. And you know part of that is, yeah, you have these wildly sophisticated tax strategies going on, but I will put money on it, even though it may feel like it, Mark, that the reason that there's 17 subsidiaries is not to make settlement of an invoice complicated, it's a tax strategy that has been set up by you know some tax experts off in London or who knows where. Let me, uh, let me, let me try and be step in the middle a little bit because <laughs> I, I think
2: i think we're making peter responsible for every egregious piece of misbehavior from every multinational company ever he's doing really is, well uh, so far, yes, i it. must say you're doing very well oh, yeah um it, 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 it's it's because you, you talk about relatively junior people being the people that have to get the money in i absolutely agree with that so to what extent is it is this is does this issue arise because the senior people or the senior salespeople who are eager to close the transaction because a small company loves to have an MNC as a customer. I mean that's brilliant because mm-hmm. we sell all this stuff to them. In the in the in the excitement of the hunt when they're about to close the deal, I'm looking at you Mark here. Whatever. <laughs> mm. uh, you know that that difficult discussion, which mm-hmm. has to get into quite a lot of detail about what do you need to ensure that our bill meets your requirements and can get yeah. to your system. Uh, maybe they're not always ready to have that conversation or, or they only have it when it's too late, you know, when the invoice is here.
1: I I do think that happens sometimes. And that I, I have seen that in my own experience happening where small company gets all excited and it's like, okay, we got the business and you know, okay, submit the invoice and it, it goes around in circles. And once again, it's simply not following the process. And then if there's one error error, Many MNCs don't pay um, partial invoices. If you know nine things are correct and the tenth is wrong, well, the invoice is kicked out. Unless you unless you, unless
2: you write a contract which allows for that. I mean, you yeah. have something else that you can do. It's right. Like, almost nobody ever thinks of this. Um,
1: you you may be able to do it. Many MNCs will, will just say, "Here's our contracts. Take it or leave it." Um, you know, they'll change the date and a few little minor things, but. Some of those those fundamental process things normally they're just like now that's the way we do it deal with it,
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah. And,
1: and because they're big they can get away with it the, um, and and so
2: otherwise creates a huge proliferation in them, um, in in transactions right yeah. um, credit notes.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. You were going to say something else, Peter? No, 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 no. That's- well, okay, so. Well, but on to this point then about uh, reputation, because, uh, you know, one of the things that Riyabu does is to help you establish when other suppliers get paid. Uh, do MNCs actually really care about their supplier uh, relationships in the way that you seem to intimate? And the reason uh, I challenge that is because a lot of MNC, MNCs seem to shrug their shoulders and say what you just said, you know, take it or leave it. If you don't want to supply to us, there'll be 50 others lining up. And
1: And I think that there's... You know, so the, there's there's a couple periods of time. Number one, when they're out bidding for something, and if you're you're supplying something where there are multiple suppliers, four, five, six, yeah, they, and and I would recommend anyone who's negotiating in that position where you have four or five or six, absolutely, you you set your terms and someone will meet them. And you know, that that's business. You just have to be prepared for that. Okay. However, once you've established yourself as a supplier, yes, I I think most MNCs do care. You just have to keep in mind though, what type of business are you doing? Are you, you know, have you entered into a three-year service agreement where you're providing people and services and there's an ongoing connection or is it one-off, you're supplying a widget. Once it's delivered, it's over and done with, and maybe a few years later, you'll do business again. And so those are the types of things you have to keep in mind because if it's the former, yes, I do believe most MNCs, you know, yes, they're not going to be, you may view them as being harsh at times, but they do care about their relation, their reputations, Um, In general, I don't, you know, the companies I've dealt, I've worked with, they don't sit up at night trying to figure out how they're going to uh, destroy small suppliers. They're just not, that's, they have other things to do.
0: What precisely do they have to do?
1: (laughs) Well, once, keep in mind, you know, going back to that 80-20 rule, once they have, set up the, basically the, the 20% of their spend with 80% of their suppliers, they're sort of like, well, okay, that's off my plate for a while. Let it run. Because honestly, and it, it, it makes business sense. The ones that they're going to have to really monitor are those 20% that represent 80% of the spend. And that's a small handful of suppliers that are, yes, they're going to get a lot more attention. Now, if you are one of those larger suppliers, yeah, you're going to get more attention and you're going to have probably a a more senior person in the procurement department you can talk to and they'll respond to you quickly and get you results. But it, it is a challenge if you were in that, 20% of spend representing 80% of contracts.
2: Uh, Which is where, where both Mark and I will be. Uh, That's one of my very best efforts. I've never really risen to the top 20. Well, that's where, that's where I would expect
1: most, um, SMEs would be is in that. And, Mm. and it just, you know, that's why I'm saying it's sort of like, they are not, you know, once, once you're set up in the system, there's a little bit of autopilot. Now you could be, you know, very important just because you're small doesn't mean you're not important. You could be delivering a very critical service or good that no one else can supply and that they don't have good alternatives or hopefully they really like the the service level or the quality. And yeah, you can maybe use that to leverage yourself and get more attention.
0: And that brings us to the Kralgic Matrix, uh, which uh, you've kindly flagged as one of those things that as suppliers, you need to know about. You need to know your station in life, as they used yeah. to say, where in essence, you have an understanding as to whether you are in that top 20% or the top 80% or the bottom. Well, the, first, the first thing Peter said, which I really like, which
2: is, which is the top of this, we're learning a lot from you, Peter. I only wish I'd learned it you know, 30 years ago. Uh, when, it, when it could have had some impact. Um, <laughs> you, you said you need a strategy as to how you work with your customer because your customer has one. So, so the customer being an MNC has thought about all of this and put resources into figuring it out. But perhaps as a much smaller company, you haven't. You haven't thought past, if we can close this, that would be really good. And maybe that's as far as you've gone. Yeah.
1: Well, and, and so part of what we're, we're talking about, you know, if you're in, just because you're part of the 20% of spend, we're making up 80% of the contracts, you could be in a, what you'd call kind of a non-critical item. So these are called, think of them more as commodities, fungible products where in services where there's lots of suppliers, Essentially, you could be easily changed out, and it would be very low risk and cost for the for the MNC. So, paper clips, paper clips, yeah, office supplies, yeah, yeah, you know, um, cups and and you know, little little widgets, yeah. or you could be a bottleneck. So you you may still have a it it may not be big bucks, but it is critical. So it could be because you're the only one that is um, qualified by the OEM to provide that particular service, or you are um, maybe have a certain patent that allows you so it may not be you know millions and millions of dollars. it could be fairly small, but it's critical. And if you fall into that bottleneck, where frankly, the MNC doesn't have a choice. Just because it's $100,000 spend and not tens of millions, it still is vital for their operation. And they're gonna look at you differently than if you're selling them paperclips. Then there's another category, which is leverage, which is think of it as commodity, but big bucks. And because it's big bucks, it's gonna get attention. Because when you're in a commodity type, you can have a, you bring, there's multiple suppliers by definition and you're going to have competition and there's a lot of money on the table for the MNC. If they can whittle down the price, a, you know, a couple percent, a unit, it, it can move the bottom line. And as a result, it will get attention. And then there's the category, the strategic items. So these are the things that are both complex, um, limited number of qualified suppliers and big money. And, And so figuring out which one of these four quadrants you sit in can help you understand how you're going to be treated. Because as an example, if you're in that strategic bucket you're almost by definition that 80% of spend representing only 20% of the contracts and you're going to get more attention. You're gonna have the general manager of of whatever department is gonna be very aware and you probably will have executive meetings with that person. Whereas if you're the paperclip supplier with a non-critical item, you may never even meet anyone from the company. Mm Yeah. You may just meet, meet an admin, ad, you know, someone in the procurement department, um, a buyer or something like that.
0: Good, so you need to know where you are. Non-critical or low profit impact, but still a bottleneck, uh, quite an important uh, provider. Mm-hmm. Or if you have a, uh, a commodity, but with a big profit impact such as leverage or obviously the, the top of the tree, the strategic item. Let's say you're a paperclip manufacturer, uh, Peter, and perhaps a question more to Simon. Because Simon, you always talk about playing the role as an SME supplier, playing, playing it professionally, like you are actually a big gun, right? You're, you're punching above your weight, so to speak. Is there any way that you as a paperclip supplier or maybe a water cooler supplier or something can move into one of the other quadrants?
2: Well, a large um, supplier is likely to be quite professional. Um, about how they supply simply by dint of their scale because uh, so so perhaps what we're talking about is that even if you're small in relative terms you need still need to have that professionalism at the front end of of how you acquire a customer and how you onboard that customer and how you set up that customer we've talked about this a great deal yeah in many ways you need it even more because one of the things that occurs to me if I look at your matrix Peter is that if I'm a strategic supplier and my customer needs (laughs) <laughs> my supplies right that's really the point so even if there is a bit of a bit of a hiccup in the payment process you know the customer has an interest in in, in ensuring that that's dealt with because at the end of the day they can't afford to be without whatever it is like. so there's perhaps an element implied element of leverage there that there isn't with the paper clip supplier right
1: exactly uh, yeah e- exactly and i i would say that you know mark i think part of your question is how does the paperclip manufacturer, supplier, make themselves something other than non-critical? And I think the short answer, it's it's tough, but there are ways to do it. And that's why you talk about extra services. You know, if you're supplying the bottled water to an office or something, well, be reliable, always there on time. Um, You know, whoops, there's an emergency outage and you get the customer the water with two hours notice or something like that those would be the, you know, some of the few things that come to mind. And but, accurate,
2: in, accurate invoices, Peter. I mean, if accurate you, invoicing if you're tough to do business with if everything takes three, three efforts to process yeah. you think about this, there's an actual cost to
1: that. Right. Um, Ab- absolutely. Because that, that does bubble up. If everything is, you know, if it's always coming out, oh, oh gosh, these guys, you know, complaining about being paid again. And then they sent me all these bad invoices and, you know, at the, that, procurement administrative level, yeah, it's, it's probably not going to float up to the general manager, but if if it gets onerous enough, it may. And it would just be like, no, this isn't worth the effort dealing with these people. And um, you know, they're not going to see many complaints like that floating up. And if they do see one, it's going to be a huge red flag to them. Yeah.
0: So if you're a water cooler supplier, don't let your invoices bubble up. I guess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, final couple of comments. Uh, and that is around the current uh, COVID situation. As you know, in the United States, just south of where you are, obviously the COVID situation is getting much worse. Europe is back in lockdown. As an SME supplier, how much should you bend with a customer who says, look how difficult times are? We're back in lockdown. We're not able to ship our products or get our services done. You need to share part of the pain. What are the expectations that you as a procurement officer would have?
1: Well, you know, I've, I've been on the other side as, as the, the customer, having these discussions with suppliers. And the advice I give is think about, number one, where you are. Um, also think about what could you trade? What do you think are the value drivers of the customer is it strictly about first cost? Is it, um, you know, part of it? Is it is is it you showing some flexibility? Um, things you could do, you know, is it is it maybe just a temporary thing? Hey, we'll give you a small discount on a few on a few on on invoices for the next three months or six months, and then it snaps back. But yeah, that that concept, I think that. Hey, this is this is tough. You know, if I look at at many companies who've done layoffs and it, you know these these MNCs are doing layoffs, and then all of a sudden the supplier comes in and says, Well, I can't do anything for you. And you're talking to people who are um, you know, their department is going to be cut 10 or 15%. That's you know, you're know, you not going to get a whole lot of no.
2: empathy. That's not partnership. I mean, I, I absolutely agree that when, when everyone's suffering, there's an opportunity to differentiate by showing that you're prepared, you understand what their issues are, and you have put some thought into how you can support them in the interest of a long-term relationship. Mark, you and I have talked about this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I think one of the things you can do is try to be smart about what do you offer? Understand what's valuable for you. If it's payment terms, well, don't offer up payment terms. Maybe you're better off giving a small discount off of invoices for a few months rather than moving to 60-day payment terms. The other thing is to think about how, how are you gonna claw that back? Because um, what I when I was sitting in the MNC side, I always said, okay, I want this all put into the procurement system and I want a new price book. Because I knew then we'd have to do a new price book again to undo it. So the, the way that it, it becomes more temporary is to say, okay, we will on your invoice give you a 5% discount for the next three months. We'll just knock 5% off of the invoice. And then after three months, it's done. There's no change to the price book. So little things like that that you can think about. Also understand what is you know one of the other things is, with that many SMEs, you have issues of, of cash flow, and maybe it's worthwhile for you think it, you should think of everything as a trade that you're negotiating. So. Could you actually ask for accelerated payment terms for a discount? Hey, give us 15-day payment terms and we'll give you the give you 5%. What
2: you about upfront pro- up upfront payment for a part, part of the contract, for example?
1: Upfront payment if for,
2: for a reduced fee? You've probably forgotten, but I negotiated that from you, Peter.
1: Did you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> You know, it's because you're such a nice guy. I must have agreed to it. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, in other words, if you show, if you go in as a as a supplier and you're you're willing to be flexible, the there is a long term ramification of that. I guess is, is what is Yeah,
1: a- absolutely. And and so, what you need to do is think about, you know, what can you do, and and what, you know, just because you know there's there's value to it. If you can go from a 30-day payment to a 15-day, there's clearly value for you. And so as a result, if there's value being created for you, then you could give some sort of discount. That may really be what the the MNC's after. And you know, as you started out earlier, Mark, you you highlighted that MNCs have much lower financing costs. So you do get a little bit of an, a potential arbitrage with payment terms between MNCs and SMEs. Mm-hmm.
0: Peter, finally, uh, what are you spending your time with now in terms of uh, the, the expertise that you have? Um, perhaps there are things, I mean, we've been very much focused on payment terms, but are there, are there other issues that uh, perhaps um, suppliers might also benefit from knowing what somebody like you actually spends most of their time thinking about?
1: Um, I spend most of my time thinking more about how to create value and Payment terms to me is one small piece of it. So I look at things like, you know, how can you accelerate cycle time? Um, Do you put that into the contract? Do you create incentives for it? Um, Anything, you know, what we are, every industry is always trying to do is reduce our cost structure. So thinking about ways, and often these are other than First so when I say first cost is, I mean, price reduction, we have to figure out a way to c- constantly shrink the cost structure, even as we're growing. Because what we're seeing is, you know, in so many areas, the the revenue just does, if you don't always put cost pr- pressure on the cost structure, the revenue just can't keep up with it.
0: Well, it's been a great pleasure to have you with us. Peter Chipman, thank you very much for your expertise, your time, your very candid answers.
1: Well, um, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to speak to you.
0: There
2: are lots of, uh, Peter, there are lots of SMEs in Singapore and elsewhere who'd be very interested to hear your perspective in more detail. We should, we should totally talk about some kind
0: of Zoom um, seminar for these guys, right? You know, yes. don't you think? I think we should. In the meantime, if yeah. you want to drop us a line, With your own story, maybe you are in Peter's position, maybe you are a Chief Procurement Officer yourself and you have some additional uh, alternative or amplifying views, please drop us a line at service at reabu.com. And if you would like to join such a Zoom call with Peter, we'd be happy to organize it. Thank you again, Peter Chipman and Simon Littlewood. Thank you. It was a pleasure.